So I, I noticed something. Uh, Gabe actually made reference to the scripture I'm using today. So from now on, I'm not, yes. leaving, I'm not leaving my tablet up here. Got, come on, man. You're cramping my style. <laughs> All right. What is the biggest lie you believe? Right, what is the biggest lie you believe? An interesting question, perhaps? Anybody got one that just jumped to your mind? Right, like if, if, if you know it's a lie, do you believe it? Right, is, is it something that you have that you've searched out that you want to be true? Many of us have an inference scale that when we come across things, we kind of bank it up against that. What, what do we want something to be? What do we know is true? What do we bank in everything in life? And do we just kind of fit things in there? But if it's a lie, do you, do you just say, oh yeah, it fits in my scaling, so I'm going to take it? Right? Or, or, or do we just allow things that come into our lives, as long as it's not overtly against what I'm for, then it's fine. It's, it must be true then. What if I told you that there's an elephant in this room? Right, some of you are like, oh, it's about time we get talking about, no, 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 sorry, like, like not, a, not, a, not like one of those elephants, uh, that, like a literal elephant. What if I told you there's a literal elephant in this room? You guys fine with that? You cool with that? <laughs> all right, well, then, there, ruined, ruined, all right, yes, there is an elephant in the room. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming out today. <laughs> Uh, so, for our online community, there's not actually a literal elephant, it is actually a stuffy elephant, but I wasn't making reference to that, it just threw everything out the window. Okay, well then let's change it up. What if I told you that there was an elephant outside in the parking lot? Right, you're like, alright, maybe, maybe, maybe. Like, what if I told you that the elephant is actually out by the back berm? Uh, there's a spike that they put in the ground and they chained him there, because they actually had to clean up his like, traveling container, because he's coming with the little like, fall circus that's going around. Right, there's a lot more pieces at play. You're like, yeah, you know, it's possible. What if I said, like, you guys know how I love to be outside the box, and so I've arranged an elephant outside. You're like, oh, right, that's very believable. It's within your scale of inference that you're like, yeah, that's probably true, actually. Surprise, there is not an elephant. Right? There's this, this journey of information that becomes more plausible and less plausible. Like, in this room, it's very improbable, possible. Like, you got to train the elephant to crawl through that doorway, like, could be, but you'd look around in our online community at a disadvantage, you, you'd be like, no, it just isn't true. But then as we think about what's outside, we're like, yeah, it's far more possible. It's far more probable Brad would do something like that. But today we are looking at not what is true, not what is a lie, but we're looking at seeking God today and allowing him to be what speaks into our lives and invest in us. And that if there's something that is not true that we are orienting to, then why do we orient that way? Like, are, we, are we letting God speak into our lives and challenge the things that we are living for, the ways that we are living out? Or are we just allowing the elephant in the room to be uh, a fact? A literal elephant, not the awkward one that we won't talk about. We don't talk about that elephant, remember that. So today, if, if you will join me in opening up the scriptures to, anyone want to guess what we're opening to? Not yet, we're getting there. You guys are good. We're in a series where we're looking at Romans 12, and it's going to get us to Exodus today, believe it or not. So Romans 12, 1 to 2, that is our series where we're looking at transformation in our lives. Allow me to read Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good and perfect and pleasing will. Heavenly Father, we ask that you guide us today. Lord, we ask that your words of truth land in each one of our lives and disrupt anything that we have accepted that isn't true. Lord, we ask for a disruption of our beliefs. We ask for a disruption of our lifestyles. Lord, we ask for all of this in seeking your transformation in each one of us as a community and as followers of you. So Lord, we ask for your words to be what we hear. We ask for your spirit to be guiding us to your truth and your way of life. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So what are we doing here today? Well, hopefully we're not talking too much about lies. I hope that what we're really doing is looking at intent. Right? When, when you believe a lie, there is actually an intent that you want something to be true. That you're like, oh, I like this idea, so I will orient towards it. But when it comes down to intent, that drives so much more of our life than just like what we believe. It's actually how we engage with everything. We have an intent, an intention, and that's what forms a lot of our actions, patterns, beliefs, everything. So also today, we want this to be like the shifting point in the series. The last few weeks have been a bit more like thought, practice, framework, orienting that way. This is the, the shifting point in the rest of our series where we are moving more and more towards practices of faith. These practices of faith, the intent behind them is creating opportunities where you can hear from God in your regular rhythms or changing up your regular rhythms so you can hear from God. That's the entire intent behind spiritual practices, is carving out space to be present to God as he wants to be present to us. And so that is our shifting point. What we see in Romans 12, verse 1, is an urge to you. Right? Urging is when you really want to encourage somebody. Right? You want to see some change. You want to ask them to consider or change their intent. Right? Like there's, actually, I came across this art piece I, I really would love. We have to put in a railing eventually, but there's this railing on the YouTubes that they built, and it has like this donkey at the bottom holding a bar, which looks like a rope, and a person up at the very top pulling. And so it's like a, a railing that you'd walk up, but it, it's, this person's trying to urge their donkey, and if you've ever been around a donkey, you know that they do what they want to do, because they're jerks. That's just what they are. Right? So like, here we have... Paul urging us, right? Not because we're a bunch of jerks, but because we are kind of stubborn and stuck in our way, right? Wants us to consider a change, a shift, uh, something different than what was being applied there. If it was like, just continue doing what you're doing, it wouldn't say, I urge you. It would be like, yeah, awesome job, everybody. Carry on. But the passage here says, I urge you. And then it shifts in light of God's mercies, right? So, taking a framework of what you believe, a thing that you've experienced, and say, I, I urge you, in light of who God is, what God has done, the, the transformation that God has for you, in light of all these things, we urge you to change, urge you to take this serious, to put off the old ways. See, Paul's letter to the Romans was based out of this idea of transformation. Right? He didn't want the community just to memorize things. He didn't want them just to engage with some idea, some notion, and then leave it. 
The goal was to see transformation of lives, which is along the lines of Jesus' heart, right? Jesus didn't come down just to teach us. He didn't enter into creation just to say, hey, I got some lessons for you. They're going to look really good in, like, felt. You're going to love these little picture books with little pop-ups, right? Those are good. Those help us orient and understand and grow and develop, but the goal isn't just to leave it there. The goal is for it to impact us and shape everything that comes after. As we looked at last week, the goal in practices isn't to unlock God's favor, right? His grace is abundant and given to us. It's, it's for us. It's to be leading and guiding and loving and shaping and like oozing. Like it should be so awkwardly grace-filled that you just can't even get out from underneath it. So we don't try to unlock God's grace. What we try to do is embrace his grace. Allowing his ways, his patterns, his love to be what transforms the way that we live, breathe, act, engage with politics, engage with work, engage with any category that you deal with on your regular basis. Everything is on the table for transformation. As we look at this passage that's in Exodus that Gabe stole from me, great job, Gabe, um, we, there's a context I would love for you, us to know. You may have heard of the Ten Commandments. Yes, yes you have. No, I think everybody's heard of the Ten Commandments. Whether you can list them off is a different thing. So preceding this story, Moses was up on the mountain with God, and God gave the Ten Commandments. And then he comes back down with these tablets in hand, right, maybe under arm, and he sees what the people of God has done. And do you know what happens? He broke them. He got mad. Like, what type, like, how mad do you have to be that literally you just met with God, he etched something for you, gave you, like, these Ten Commandments, these big deal kind of things, and you smash them. Like, that, that's an anger I don't think I've ever experienced. I haven't been given many tablets by God, but I'm not sure. Like, even my tablet here, I'm pretty careful with, and I bought that. So, like, a, a tablet with God's Ten Commandments is a pretty aggressive thing to break. Right, so this is the context, the background, is that he came down from the mountain, and the people of God had rebelled and rejected God. They have this golden calf that they're worshiping. They, they've gone their own way. They, they didn't seek transformation. They just kind of kept doing the same thing that they always knew. They knew how to worship a God. They knew how to make gods. They had been around a bunch of these. And so in this moment, the people didn't change by all that had already led up to this time. This is like already after they've been taken out, being freed to be followers of God. And Moses comes back after, you know, let's say he had a week away. Like, who knows how long he was fully, fully up there. But like, let's give him, give him a week, make it really, really like the longest window. Like, you know how long it takes when Rebecca's been gone. Like, we got worried that we're never going to get an email again, right? So let's say that was like a week. He comes down and he finds that, like, how quickly we turn from the ways of God. Say it was an hour. <laughs> it probably wasn't an hour because God had to etch those things. But he comes down and how quickly we turn from the things that God has guided us and moved us in and shaped us in and called us in. So here we are, Exodus 33:12. Moses has gone out to this tent of meeting. And also note in the, in the text is that the tent of meeting is not in the middle of all the people. Like God is kind of outside the camp. So Moses goes out to this tent of meeting, goes in, and he goes to meet with God. And here it says, verse 12, Exodus 33, 12, if you want to follow along. Moses says to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know 
whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you, have, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. We're going to carry on in a second, but I, I would love for us to just pause here and understand that this, this isn't just a practical thing. That he, he didn't just go into a tent in the middle of the community, but he wanted to go out to meet with God. It's a, a spiritual practice of Moses to go meet with God. And as he's out meeting with God, his intent is not just to solve all the problems, to just figure it all out in this moment. His goal is to meet with God, to be taught his ways, and to continually live in this favor that God has somehow given to Moses. Right? He has this ability to meet with God, and his entire thing is, I want to know you more. Right? He's the guy in the community that knows God most, and he's still like, I just want to know you more. So back at verse 14, the Lord replies, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Another part I actually want to, we'll get into this in like a couple weeks, but I, I think this is also an important thing for us to unpack. God will give rest. Earlier I was talking about how our, our culture is all about monies. Another thing is all about busyness. Right? That may be one of our life patterns that needs to be transformed and shaped is actually our inability to rest. Our inability to pause, to be present, maybe with each other, but ultimately with God. And that this might be, and we're looking in a few weeks, I think maybe actually next week, looking at maybe your inability to rest is one of those chords that you aren't in harmony with your true self. The one that God has made you to be. And you're living out of harmony in your busyness, in all that you do, that you aren't being transformed in that spot. For whatever reason, whatever thing you believe that orients you that direction to not rest, we see in the text here that God says, I will give you rest. And we know that carries through. If you've ever listened to any of Jesus' teachings, he's not like, I will make you busy. I will give you more work. Like, no, he's about presence that does take work, but the work is not the goal. So carrying back on here, uh, verse 15. Then Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness, thanks Gabe, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you can stand on a rock when my presence goes past, but I will put in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. So we jump ahead in the text to Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, if you want to jump a little bit further in your book. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is what God is saying, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of fathers on their children and children's children to the third and fourth generation? All right, there's a, a move here. This is a, a, a practice of being present to God, and this is what Moses wanted more than anything else is to see God's glory. Right? He just was so angry at God's people. He broke the Ten Commandments, but he's like, God, I just want to see your glory. This isn't where God's grace was unlocked. This is actually where it got to be explored more. Right? We can believe all kinds of things about God, but one of the things is we do not have to convince him to be merciful. If we look back just a second there, Knowing what God believes about himself is probably one of the most important things we can know as a truth-orienting thing. And God says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Do you believe that about God? Does his words line up with what you picture God to be? How you picture interaction with him to be? We have these moments where we, we believe something, and we don't always question if it's true. Right? It lands somewhere in our scale of inference, some, something that might be something, and it doesn't cost me all that I want or all that I do or have to radically shape anything to this fact, to this, this orient. An elephant in the yard does not mean anything to you right now, other than you might like, get an Instagram photo with it later. But in this moment, it doesn't matter, so you can believe whatever you want. But when we come up against the reality, like say we're going out to get our Instagram photo, and there's no elephant there, what do you do? When we come up to the reality of who God really is and what he says about himself, does that line up with your belief? Does that line up with the way that you engage, the way that you go about every minute of every day? If, if it doesn't, then guess what? There's an opportunity for transformation. That if your life doesn't live in congruence with who God is and what he desires for your life, there's a, a spot that may be coming to mind right now where you are not living in harmony with who God made you to be. Because ultimately, when we look at future Brad or future you, and when all things are restored and redeemed, that person knows God fully and thoroughly. That, that has informed and shaped every practice from there on out because they're walking and moving in light of who God is with no veil, with no guise, with nothing between you. And so if that's who I am in the future and I'm trying to backfill eternity, there's things that change. There's things that happen here that I believe now that won't be true in eternity. And so in light of God's mercies, ultimately in light of who God is, we have the ability to shift our perspective and our practices in our lives. Not because we're trying to unlock his grace, but we're trying to embrace the reality of who God is. One of the ones for me, I know, is I like things at a good price. Actually, I, I told Chris, this shirt, looking good, right? Anybody? Uh, Edie's not here to tell me I'm looking great, so make sure she, uh, make sure she reminds me of that. Right? Value Village, <laughs> come on. That's a good deal, right? Thank you, thank you. And we are sponsored by them again. Like, man, we're getting some good sponsorship deals here. Right, like the... The value I have of, of being cheap or thrifty or getting like the best deal isn't always beneficial to my life. 
there's moments in our lives where we have a goal or a, a, a thing that we really want, and we orient that way because of our practices and our habits, but sometimes it actually costs us the better thing. So another example might be uh, gym membership, right? Anybody have a gym membership? Not anymore, all right, awkward, awkward, all right, well, this one's going to go over real well. So some people have gym memberships, <laughs> right? And, and there's, there's a challenge in, in our lives where we can pay money, a little bit of money, or maybe we go on YouTube and we have these, these practices that we think we're doing something, right? I have a gym membership, so clearly I'm in shape. Or I, I watch a, a yoga video, and now I'm clearly a yogi person. Like we, we can have these ideas, that, like maybe a, a skill we want to gain, and we can watch a DIY thing and engage with it at that level. But if we really wanted to see that lived out, if we really wanted to be a, a handy person, or if we really wanted to be super fit, or if we really want to have all these kind of goals accomplished, there's a saying of why pay less when you can pay more? Right? For me, as a, as a cheap person, that's an automatic barrier. Nope. Why pay more when I can pay less? And here, here's the reason why you'd ever consider paying more than less. It's because the goal is more valuable than the money. Right? If, if you really want to be in great shape, the way you will do that is you hire a personal trainer. That's a lot of money. Yes! <laughs> right? You maybe even hire like a, a chef. Like if you really want, if that is your sole goal, you'll pay more for it. You'll go all in on that. Or if you want to learn a skill, like welding. I was talking with Dan. I don't know where, Dan, where are you at? Yeah, two years ago, I think I was talking to you how I want to learn welding. How am I doing? <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. I got goals. I got goals. Right? Like if I really want to learn, one, I'd show up and talk to Dan. Or two, I'd like go take a course. I'd spend more money to learn how to do something. But the problem is that we can sometimes have like the low end of I watched a few welding videos or I've gone to a gym membership. And that actually gets in the way of us accomplishing what we want. Where's this going? Perhaps Sunday morning is actually getting in the way of your goals. I'm not saying don't come. Like, I love having you guys here. Like, I think it's a valuable thing in a, a broader picture. But if Sunday morning is your only thing that allows you to form your life around Jesus, it might be a lot more like my welding practice where you can have an idea that one hour on a Sunday morning is enough to transform your life. As we are going to be looking into the, the, the rest of this fall, is looking at spiritual practices, like we offer them to you, not forcing them on you. That's very different. But if you really want to see life transformation, it's not going to be just a Sunday morning alone. It's going to be spiritual practices, spiritual moments, relationships that are guiding you towards knowing Jesus, conversations, coffee, uh, a community group, whatever you can add into your life to accomplish the goal, if you really want to see the kingdom of God expanding your life, right? Sunday morning is good for maintenance. It's good for seeing people having wonderful snacks, enjoying coffee, praising God. Like, there's a great thing that happens here. But this in itself is is towards like the YouTube thing where you're like, you find a few, few hacks, you find a few opportunities, it's a time with, but it is not everything. And we might end up believing that Sunday morning is enough for us to live out a transformed life. It's not. It's actually being in the presence of God over and over and over again. Finding ways that he will disrupt what you believe and reshape it. 
reshaping into his patterns, his ways for his kingdom, for his glory in your life, where you can meet with him and say, God, really, all I really want at this moment is to know you more. Right? Today might leave you with, like, God, I really want to know you more, but it's not going to be filled next week. It is our spiritual disciplines that allow us to see God's mercies, to understand his presence, to allow him to speak to us as individuals whom he loves and whom he knows by name. And so with, with the shifting point, the, the point is your intentions. If your intention is to get by, be as cheap and frugal as me, great. But if your intention is to grow more and more in the knowledge, the likeness, and lifestyle of Jesus, then it comes down to orienting your life towards him. Every minute of every day, which sounds like a lot. Well, then maybe five minutes of every day. One minute of every day. Having a practice where you stand before God and say, I just want to know you more. Right? We have this pattern of the world, nine to five, some of us, Farmers, not quite a nine to five. I think it's like nine to six, right? Yeah, yeah. And then a commute, of course, right? Or, or the patterns of sports that we want to watch or engage in. We have patterns of Netflix, which Katie and Corbin have been away, so I've had a little bit more Netflix time. That's great. Um, scrolling, TV, dining out, retirement, whatever, like the pattern of the world, there's a pattern there. They're not bad things in themselves, they're actually opportunities for God to move, for God to meet you in, for God to embrace you in. Actually, everything that you do is an opportunity with the right intent. God, what do you want to do? What, do you, what is God's intent for my 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 in Jared's case? Or what is your intent in my, my soccer or my football, my whatever activities, my TV? Or what is your intent in my retirement? Right? When we bring these things before God, we have the opportunity to say, God, what is your intent? Not just mine. My, my inference says, make as much money as I can, rest as much as I can, I'm good. But in this, we, we miss the honoring God, because God wants a living sacrifice, not just a Sunday morning visiting. Like that's, that's good, but God wants so much more, not just because he wants it, because he wants it for you. The very best in creation is God. He's present, he's active, he's searching for you. He wants to meet with you. And sometimes, many times, we miss him. In awkward moments, silent moments, big moments, all these moments. Part of our ability to meet God is our intent. Saying, God, I want to see your glory in all things, in all places, in all moments. As we're wrapping up here, I, I hope you're asking a question. What about the guitar? Right? Does anybody, please? No, we didn't do the practice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, so here we go. We have the guitar, and I put it off for a reason. As we have practices, when you miss them, you notice, right? It's the, the discipline time and time again, awkward and clunky, as, as if you're new to our community or you're new online. The goal behind this guitar is not to hear me play, because that's not great. The goal is a metaphor of a spiritual discipline where we come back time and time and time again to bring things in tune, to bring things into harmony with who God has made us to be in light of Christ. It's clunky, not overly beautiful, you get better at it, but everything from it lives more in harmony. It's where the beauty comes from. 
And so here is our tuning practice. And what I will encourage you today as I find the right chords is ask God, where am I out of harmony? Where am I not being the person you have made me to be? And if this is distracting, that's fine. You have the rest of the week to ask him again. But it's a spiritual practice of coming before God, asking God to help you be the person he's made you to be. So I encourage you to take that time in this moment. Taking time and space to meet with God. It's the heartbeat of the entire series. You and yourself, you and your practices will not transform your life. You won't. But having a practice that disrupts your day, that you notice is missing when you miss it, is one more opportunity for you to say, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you walk by me. I want to hear what you are proclaiming about yourself. Because I know all the other noises in the world. I hear those, I see those, I scroll through those, I spend time in those. But I want to see your glory. As we come to know God more and more, we actually come to know ourselves, our true selves, more and more. And so today I'm going to close in prayer. That this week, in some way, you meet with God. Father, we want to be transformed. We don't want to just memorize scripture. We don't want to just gather on a Sunday morning. We don't want to just be a church that's called a church. We want to be followers of you. And Lord, that means that we have to go where you've led us. Lord, we know that you are somewhere in our lives, and we don't always look for it. Lord, we know that you have a heart for us, but we don't always listen to you. Holy Spirit, we ask this week that you disrupt a moment, one moment this week. We invite you to disrupt it and let us hear from you. Lord, we ask that you work in our hearts, that you soften that moment in it, so that when we, we hear you coming, we pause when we see you stirring, that we, we turn and pay attention to you. Lord, allow us to listen to your voice and to hear you calling out to us and proclaiming your glory. Lord, this week, may we hear you bring your name and your glory before us. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We invite you into this week, Lord. We ask that you be gracious as you are, loving and kind. And Lord, in that, may we find the root that grows our transformation 
into your image, into your likeness, more and more as we live before you and with you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. May God meet you and bless you this week.